Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Good morning. I sent out the giving statements from last year, this morning. Everybody's email address, I thought, was in the system. If you didn't get a giving statement, let, let me know and I'll fix it. All right, awesome. <clears throat> well, cool. Um, Kwame asked me to share. I wanted to share about 15 to 25 minutes worth of uh, worth of truth. Uh, but before I go into it, you know, this week I kept hearing the and seeing the Lord of Hosts. And uh, I've never really looked into that a ton, but the more I looked into it, you know, God, obviously, you know, God is a God of, of angel, a God of angel armies. And then I started listening to the Shane and Shane uh, song on it. So I'm going to read that and I'm going to pray. I think this might be for someone. Maybe it's for me. It says, oh, come behold the works of God, the nations at his feet. He breaks the, the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease. Amen. O mighty one of Israel, you are on our side. We walk by faith in God who burns the chariots with fire. Lord of hosts, you're with us, with us in the fire, with us as a shelter, with us in the storm. You will lead us through the fiercest battle. Oh, where else would we go but with the Lord of hosts? O God of Jacob, fierce and great, you lift your voice to speak. The earth, it bows, and all the mountains move into the sea. O Lord, you know the hearts of men, and still you let them live. O God, who makes the mountains melt, come wrestle us and win. O God, who makes the mountains melt, again, come wrestle us and win. Through oceans roar, you are the Lord of all, the one who calms the wind and waves and makes my heart be still. Though the earth gives way, the mountains move into the sea. The nations rage. I know my God is in control. And then he ends with this. O Lord of hosts, you're with us in the fire, the shelter, the storm. You will lead us through the fiercest battle. Or where else would we go but with the Lord of hosts? That was ministering to me because I just started focusing on how sovereign, how big, how fierce, how strong our God is. And how we cannot see it, uh, one day we will. We get glimpses in his word. Sometimes we get glimpses in our own mind. We get glimpses through revelation. But how God is forever fighting for us with his angel, his angel armies. Amen. Father God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you're always fighting for your people, regardless of whether we see it or not, whether we feel it, or whether it's made manifest to us in sight. And so open our eyes that we may be people of faith, but faith in such a big, big God, a God of hosts, a God of armies that is always moving on our behalf. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, cool. Well, I wanted to share uh, 
some scriptures with you guys that have really ministered to me in 2022. I think I've shared openly the 2022 was uh, an interesting year for the Dentons. And um, since 2020, I've been looking at the, the book of Revelation, mainly because I was like, when COVID was hitting, I was like, well, is this, is this the end? Maybe I need to check out Revelation and kind of go from there. And so I've been, <laughs> I've been bouncing around with different, uh, you know, commentators and YouTube series and those kind of things. I personally think I've figured out the book of Revelation through these guys. That's my opinion. Of course, I could be totally wrong. But ultimately, I'm going to talk about chapter 4 and chapter 5, and I'm going to just share some closing thoughts. Is, you know, John, the Apostle John, wrote the book of Revelation as he's on some stranded island, and he's been hit really hard with persecution. People are getting martyred for their faith. There's loss of homes, loss of life, loss of food, loss of resources. And I have a very hard time That's awesome. I have a very hard time believing that God wrote this book and said, hey, John, I know you're going through a tough time. Here's some things that will happen 2,000 plus years from now that will, give you, that will give you hope. I do believe that what he gave John in a vision was what they needed right now at that, at that time. And it also it is for us during this time. And I believe, obviously, there's stuff of prophecy that will happen in the future. And I'm going to start in chapter 4, but ultimately I guess what I'm trying to say is, is everything that happens to us, our opportunity is to view that from the finished work, from the person and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives us a glimpse into that in chapter 4 and into chapter 5. This is what I think it means. I may be totally wrong. But God has ministered to me as we have been going through some, some challenging times. And so you could put it up there, Christy, chapter 4. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. I know I've shared this a couple times the last few months. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. So I'm just going to stop for a second. You know, the, the, word, the word behold, it literally means to apprehend, to pay attention, but I, th I think what he was really saying is like, I need you to start changing the way you think of how you view life on this planet Earth. And he says, ultimately, somehow, I don't fully understand it, you and I are seated in heaven right now, spiritually. It says that in Ephesians 2. And everything, everything flows from the throne of God. It says that in Romans eleven thirty six. 36, it says, 36, of him, to him, and through him are all things. And then he says, to him be the glory forever and ever, Amen. And the reason why he says that is there is no possible way that our finite, small minds can comprehend the heart and the mind of God. He wouldn't be a God worth worshiping if we could do that. 
And so I think what he's calling us is to enter into the reality of always living from the throne. And I'll share what that means. It says, immediately I was in the spirit. Behold, the throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. We get pictures of that through Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, somewhere in 1 Kings and a couple other places. He's always sitting. He's resting fully in authority, fully in control, and fully in charge. And he who sat was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. You can't read Revelation casually. It is a book of signs and symbols. And it's like you just read those dozen words and then you go to the next scripture you know, it says in chapter 1 that an, you know, an angel was speaking to John with this, and he was communicating out of signs and symbols. That's what it says in the Greek. So literally, John approaches the throne of God, and he can't even fully describe it. He says throughout, he's like, yeah, this was like Jasper. It was like Sardius stone. It was like a rainbow. It was like emerald. And I would dare to say, once we approach God in all of his fullness and all of his glory, and if we are not scared, <laughs> if we are not, not scared like a punitive punishment kind of thing, but awestruck, because what he's talking about, it was like Jasper. It was like fire. It was like a holy utterance that he cannot explain a God that's will, not willing to tolerate sin. He's not about that. That's what he's talking about with Jasper and Sardius tone. And he's literally like falling to his knees. And then after that, he mentions a rainbow. <laughs> because immediately when we enter the presence of God or see God in all of his awestruck holiness, he's like, hold on. Don't be afraid. And he shows him a rainbow which is full of promise and love and kindness and mercy and the tenderness of God. And he's like, come here. I want to show you these things. And he invites him up to come up to the throne room. That's what he's talking about. And he says, around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. I can't get into all the symbols and the, the meaning behind the numbers. It would take too long. My mind just doesn't, doesn't work that way. But ultimately, he's not talking about the actual, saw 24 lined up thrones. He's not talking about the actual 24 men. You know, Revelation is a book of symbols and signs and meanings and imagery. He's talking about the 12 tribes of, of Israel, the 12 apostles where our faith is rooted in the foundation of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the source of the old, the source of the new, and he's talking about everyone in faith who chose to put their faith in a Messiah that was going to come one day. And everyone in our church age is putting our faith in Jesus Christ right now. And so he sees this vision of all the saints of the old. 
in all the saints of the new. That's what I believe it means. I don't fully understand it, but every time in Scripture you see the worship and you see the glory of God, you also see his people right beside him. He never wanted to dwell in a tabernacle. He always wanted to dwell in the hearts of men and women. And so his glory is revealed to us, but he also says, you have the saints of the old, the saints of the new, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. I'm not worthy of that, neither are you. (laughs) But by his blood, you better believe that you are. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Seven's a complete and perfect number for his spirit. It says, before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like a calf, the third had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. I'm not going to give commentary for every single word or scripture here. I'll go back to it. And it says the four living creatures were each having six six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, holy, 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 three times, Father, Son, and Spirit. Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Got to pause right there. You know, when you, when you look and study the book of Revelation, you know, the, the Bible is a, is a culmination of 66 books, but, but it's, it's really one book in its entirety. And it's important to be able to understand all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. I'm not there, you're not there, we're on that pursuit of that. And when he mentions this, there is a flow that goes into these truths and this grace. And so, if you remember the book of Exodus, Exodus 19 all the way to Exodus 34, he gives Moses a physical model, right, of the tabernacle. And then if you compare that, you can hear the echoes from Exodus all the way to this book. He does the same thing for John but it's a different thing. Like literally, if you can compare, Moses was called up to Mount Sinai. John, he said, there was a door opened. Moses saw lightning and thunder and voices. John saw the same thing, lightning and thunder. Moses came up, so did John. Moses saw a a trumpet, heard a trumpet. John said he heard a sound like a trumpet. Moses saw the ark in the mercy seat of God where the presence of God dwelled. John was going up to see the throne of God. Moses saw the seven lampstand. John saw the seven spirits of God. Moses saw the 12 loaves. John saw the 24 elders. Moses saw the veil, the curtain. John saw the sea of glass that was separating them from the throne of God. Moses saw the altar of perpetual incense, the prayers of the saints. John saw the eternal worship. Do you see the the dots connecting? <laughs> Ultimately, what, what he was he was saying is regardless, number one, do I want you to live from the throne room of heaven? Or number two, 
He gave Moses a physical model of the spiritual unseen realm. But John, he allows him to go into that unseen realm. And then to make it personal, people were being martyred, killed for their faith, loss of life, loss of resources, going through a very tough time in the church age. You can relate it to your life right now. And ultimately, the reason why he's giving him that picture in my full belief is our number one need on this planet is to see and know a God that is fully reigning over every circumstance. That he is in charge regardless of what happens. And ultimately, what he showed him is we live in a world where we see the effects of a lot of things, the outcomes, the results. But here he was showing him the actual cause. He was showing him where everything came from, the source. I can't fully comprehend it or understand it, but he was showing him the root cause of it all because ultimately he says in verse 11 or, or verse 9, he says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, where the 24 elders fall down before him. And li literally when you see this, the picture here is there's such an awe, they fall down on their backside. They're in awestruck of the glory of God. And not only do they get like this, but then they put their face down. And in ancient Jewish culture, whenever you would put your forehead to the, to the, the floor, it's in total submission and worship. And that was the imagery. That, that was the picture of it. And it says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you are the source. You created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. I'm going to go back to, to verse 8 here where it was talking about holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. When you read that last verse, what do you think of? I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I think of the future. Who was and who is and who is to come. But the Greek means who actually is always coming. I don't know about you. <laughs> I mean, I do, but... I always want to know that Jesus is on the throne, that he's in control, his majesty, his glory, his power. He's always fully reigning because I see a lot of things that certainly give my mind, my emotions, my thoughts, whatever you want to call it. I certainly go to the opposite of that and I'll run the other way. I'll look to escape. I'll look to, to hide. I believe I don't fully go there, but I do have some thoughts. I don't I would say I wouldn't act on it, but that's where my mind goes. And I believe he's calling and he's wooing the people of God, just like he did John. He's like, come up here. I'm inviting you into a lifestyle to where you don't have to run, you don't have to escape, you don't have to hide, regardless of what circumstances you may feel. The same thing as these guys were experiencing here, and that you could live from the confidence, from the confidence that Jesus is always on the throne. Because what he's ultimately saying and giving to John, 
I believe he gives him a vision of what happened right after the resurrection. And I believe ultimately what he's saying is one point in time back in the book of Genesis, we lost dominion. We lost power. We lost authority. And then he goes into chapter 5, and he starts talking about the lamb taking the scroll of God. And I'm going to share with you what I think that means. It says in verse 5, cha- chapter 5, verse 1, it says, I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back. You know, in, in Roman culture, just studying this, it was uncommon for there to be writing on the front of the scroll and also the back. So what is that telling you? This scroll has a lot in it. It's very comprehensive. And also a scroll back then, it actually meant the will, the testament of what, of what someone is actually writing, what they're gifting to some other party. And not everyone could open it. And he says, then I saw a strong angel. I don't know who that is. Maybe that's Michael. Says proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Once again, you, you can't read that casually. Like it literally says, no one was able to open it. And they're actually in heaven. I find that a little bit hard to believe. I mean, I would think that like God himself could open the scroll. But it, liter- it literally says no one. Is that what your Bible says? No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And then what does verse 4 say? John cried a little bit. No, it says he wept greatly. He wept much. And the reason why he was weeping, in my opinion, was not because he was sad, because he wasn't going to see the, ju- the future judgments of God in the future end times. It was because man had lost dominion. It was given over to Satan. I mean, you remember the passage in Luke 4? Satan is tempting Jesus, and he says, Hey, Jesus, if you come follow me, I will give you the kingdoms of the world. Now, you can't give something that's not yours. So Satan had dominion, power, and authority, and John wants it back. And he's weeping greatly. But then the grace of God happened. It says, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders, don't know who it is, one of them said to me, do not weep. Then he says, behold again. Change the way you think. Look at this differently. Comprehend this differently. I need you to apprehend this in a certain way. He says, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed, I would say, has overcome. He is the victorious one to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. What do I think the the scroll really has in it? It's got the will of God for your life. It's got his proclamations and decrees for your life. It has his revelation that no longer do you have to walk in zero authority. No longer do you walk with no dominion. No longer do you walk with no power. 
And he really goes into that in chapter 6. That's what I believe what the scrolls are. I could be totally wrong, but after looking at this for a couple years, I think that's what it's all about. I think ultimately he wants man to live from, from the perspective that God reigns. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You know that anyway. But in this time, they needed to know that. And number two, he's saying the scrolls, Jesus is worthy. And then he mentions the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, goes back to the lineage of Genesis 49. And the reason why he does that, do you know why he does that? The, the tribe of Judah was always mentioned as a lineage of kingliness. That there were, there were kings birthed and rooted from the tribe of Judah. It says it in Genesis 49. He goes, I'm going to skip a little bit, and verse 6 says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. I was waiting for a lion. I was waiting for, like, shock and awe. Uh, a fierce, a fierce creature. But just as Jesus does 24-7, he flips the script, and the humility the tenderness, the gentleness, but also the strength and the power of a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. It says, having seven horns, that actually connotates power and authority. And seven eyes, talking about understanding and knowledge. He knows it all. Nothing is not, that's not good grammar, nothing is, is missed from his sight. And it says, which are the seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit sent out to all the earth. And it says, then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of God, the right hand of him who sat on the throne. It says, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and here's where they say, you're worthy. You've made us kings. And queens. And priests to our God. I'm not worthy of that. But by his blood, he had a plan in mind to redeem mankind back to himself. And what does the end of verse 10 say? So that we shall reign on the earth. I know a lot of commentators talk about this as a future thing. I believe this is right now. Because in that moment, these guys needed, needed revelation and truth for something at that moment. I'm going to skip to, to verse, verse 12. It says, They said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as under the sea, all that are in them, I heard them saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. 
this is the message that I've received over the last couple years, specifically the last six months. My number one need, your number one need, is to abide and to dwell from the kingliness of Jesus Christ and to live your life from a position of authority, truth, and grace. I believe that's what he's saying in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. We could go on it for several weeks. But I wanted to share that with you um, because I could see the, the authority that you're walking in. I also know that God is wooing everyone here to walk and to live from a place of the throne room. I don't, I don't think that kind of means we'd start transporting to heaven. That'd be cool if that happened, kind of like John. But I think it ultimately means to live from the confidence that we have a God that reigns over every circumstance. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.